and welcome to Bible Words. In this series, each week I take a single word which appears in the lectionary readings for that Sunday and explore the use of that word throughout the scriptures. I look at each word as it appears in the original language, so for New Testament words in Greek, for Old Testament words in Hebrew. I hope that by looking at a single word across the scriptures in this way, it will help us all develop a greater sense of the unity of all scripture. This week's Bible word is the Greek verb keno, which means empty. This word, in the form ekenosen, appears in the second reading of Palm Sunday, year A, from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, that's Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, where the Apostle Paul says that Jesus emptied himself. The verb keno is one of a group of five other related words, all with meanings related to being empty. The words are not very common in the New Testament. There are only five occurrences of the verb, 18 of the related adjective kenos, meaning empty or in vain, and only five uses between the other four words. There are no commonly used English words derived from the Greek, only the theological terms kenosis and kenotic, which refer to that use of the verb ekenosen in the letter to the Philippians. However, Although the word may not be very widely used, it is very significant for what it tells us about Jesus Christ. In the secular Greek literature of the ancient world, the basic meaning of keno, the verb, or kenos, the adjective, is empty, as we see in the historian Thucydides, who describes how during the Peloponnesian War, many houses were emptied of their inmates for want of a nurse. Plato says in his Timaeus that the universe will not allow any place to be left void, that's kenon, and the medical writer Hippocrates uses the word keneon to describe the cavity within the head. The physical sense of the word could be extended to metaphorical emptiness. For example, in the Odyssey Book 10, Odysseus's travelling companions complain that they will return home with hands empty, keneas and the idea of emptiness leads to kenos being used to indicate vanity or lack of substance, so that in Aeschylus's Persians, the ghost of Darius observes that it is only in vain hopes that the Persians are leaving an army in Greece. And also in Sophocles' Antigone, a man is described as empty of soul if he thinks that he alone is wise. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, which was produced between the 3rd and 2nd centuries before Christ, we see the same literal and metaphorical senses as the secular Greek literature. So, physical emptiness we see in the empty well into which Joseph's brothers cast him in Genesis chapter 37, verse 24, and also in the empty vessels which Elisha advised the wife of one of the sons of the prophets to ask to borrow empty vessels from her neighbours. The word empty there is kenah, and that's in the second book of Kings, chapter 4, verse 3. And also in Jeremiah, chapter 14, verse 2, Judah's gates are emptied. That's ekenothesan. Emptiness may, in some cases, be on the one hand literal, but also have a more figurative meaning. For example, for those who feel that God has abandoned them. And we see this 
both real drought and also spiritual desolation in the empty vessels of those who go to the well but find no water in Jeremiah chapter 14 verse 3. And also in Ruth chapter 1 verse 21, Naomi laments, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Amen. And this for Naomi is both literally and metaphorically true since she has lost her husband and her two sons. On the other hand, the psalmist promises that God satisfies the empty soul, kenon. That's in Psalm 107, verse 9. The adjective kenon is used in the sense of empty-handed in Genesis chapter 31, verse 42, where Jacob complains that Laban would have sent him away with nothing after his work. It is an important part of Hebrew piety not to allow the vulnerable to be empty-handed, as we see in Boaz's promise to Ruth that she should not return empty-handed, Kene, to her mother-in-law in Ruth chapter 3 verse 17. A purely metaphorical sense of emptiness is seen in the Septuagint phrases Eis Kenon and Diakenes, which express the ideas of in vain or without cause, particularly in Job and in the Prophets. Job feels that God has made many of my bruises without cause, diakenes, in Job chapter 9 verse 17. And Jeremiah describes various human activities, such as the silversmith's work or burning incense, which will be in vain, iskenon, unless the people turn back to God. We see this in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 29 and chapter 18 verse 15. On the other hand, the prophet Habakkuk offers a message of hope that the vision that God has given him is awaiting its time. It is hastening to its end. It will not be in vain. East Kenon, and that's in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. The word kenos acquires a moral sense when it is applied to those who fall away from God. So we see in Hosea chapter 12 verse 1, Ephraim multiplied empty and vain things, which is a mark of Israel's unfaithfulness. And in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 4, sinners speak empty things, that's kinah. And also in Judges chapter 9 verse 4, we hear that Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men. Worthless there is kenos. In contrast, God promises in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 47 that his word is not empty, but is your life. God's word is both morally true and also practically effective. In the New Testament, the literal sense of kenos is preserved in the servant who is sent away empty-handed, in other words, with none of the fruit of the vineyard, by the wicked tenants in Luke chapter 20, verses 10 to 11, and its parallel in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 3. There is also a memorably concrete image in the Magnificat, echoing the imagery of the Hebrew Scriptures that we've already heard about. When Mary says in Luke chapter 1 verse 53 that the Lord has filled the hungry with good things, sent the rich away empty, kenos. However, the majority of New Testament uses of keno and kenos are metaphorical. So the idea of things potentially being in vain, not achieving their aim and therefore empty, is found in a number of places in the New Testament several of them using that phrase ace kenon that we saw in the Septuagint. However, none of these activities prove actually to be in vain because they are guaranteed by the power and grace of God. 
So we see that Scripture does not speak in vain in James chapter 4, verse 5. And for the Apostle Paul, neither his preaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, nor his work in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, nor his visit to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. None of these are in vain because the grace of God in him, Paul, is not in vain. And that's in first letter to the Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. And therefore, the cross of Christ has not been rendered ineffective or empty in first letter to the Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. And nor is the faith of the Corinthians in vain in the first letter of Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, because Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And therefore, Paul can even be confident that his own ground for boasting is not nullified or made empty in the first letter to the Corinthians chapter 9 verse 15 and also in the second letter to the Corinthians chapter 9 verse 3. Some New Testament occurrences of the adjective kenos are morally weighted, carrying the sense of without value or substance. So in James chapter 2 verse 20, he addresses anyone who doubts that faith needs works, calling them a shallow person, amen. And in the letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, verse 8, it warns against empty deceit. And in the letter to Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 6, against those who deceive with empty words. And this moral sense is continued in a series of compound words that are formed from the word kenos. So, kenophonia means empty words, which are to be avoided in the first letter to Timothy, chapter 6, verse 20, and the second letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verse 16. The adjective kenodoxos in Galatians, chapter 5, verse 26, and the related noun kenodoxia in Philippians, chapter 2, verse 3, refer to vain boasting or conceit, literally empty glory. The word doxos is glory in Greek. Now, in that reference in Philippians, chapter 2, such kenodoxia such conceit and self-interest are to be avoided by the Philippians. Instead, they must focus on the counter-example of Christ, who must be their pattern of humility. And so it is in this very context in Philippians chapter 2 that the apostle goes on from mentioning kenodoxia to say that Jesus was in the form of God and yet he did not cling to such equality with God. But instead, he emptied himself, ekenosen, to assume the condition of a slave. That's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. And this is the reading from Palm Sunday that we mentioned earlier on. Now, this use of the verb keno carries the full semantic weight of that word in all the different senses that we've encountered so far. So, in terms of emptying, Jesus emptied himself of all claims to his own rights, in order to serve us. He was never anything less than God, for in him all the fullness of God dwelt, as we see in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. But he did not exploit this divine power for his own self-interest. He could have turned stones into bread in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 to 4. He could have saved himself on the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 39. And yet, despite the taunts of his enemies, he chose not to. As one scholar has memorably said, it is not that Jesus was unable to assert his equality with God. Rather, 
he was able not to assert it. And in doing so, Jesus became as one who is ineffective, that other meaning of empty, of little value, and nothing, a slave. And Jesus is therefore the very opposite of that kenodoxia which Paul was warning against in verse 3 of chapter chapter 2 of Philippians. Jesus had everything to boast about, but did not boast at all. Instead, he humbled himself, not just in becoming man, not just as a slave, but even in accepting death on a cross in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. And Jesus' kenosis, his self-emptying, was not in vain, is kenon, unlike so many human actions that we have seen in Scripture, which are or risk becoming is kenon. Instead, God raised him high, and the Greek word here, hupoopsosen, in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, literally means super exalted. So in this use of the word ekenosen, we see emptiness in its different facets as we've seen it expressed in the scripture. So, what does all this mean for us? Well, first, are we full of ourselves and need to be emptied to fill ourselves instead with Christ? Can we imitate John the Baptist in saying, he must increase, I must decrease? That's in John chapter 3 verse 30. Jesus emptied himself, as we've seen, to take on our human nature. Can we now empty ourselves to become like him? For such an exchange of our sinful selves for the goodness of Christ is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21. That Jesus, who knew no sin, for our sake became sin, so that we might in him become the righteousness of God. Second, can we imitate Christ the servant in putting others before ourselves? Can we resist the temptation to cling to our own rights, our own desires, our own interests, and follow the true path of love, which does not insist on its own way, as we see in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 5. And finally, do we believe that glory awaits us if we unite ourselves to Jesus Christ? Not glory for ourselves, and certainly not through our own merits, but through his grace and mercy. So let us pray for Christ to make us more like him, to empty ourselves and be formed in his image, so that, as it says in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18, we can be changed from glory into glory.